This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update. Today, we're talking with Claire Hannon, Executive Director of the Association of Immunization Managers in Rockville, Maryland, about what physicians need to know about the immunization efforts and how the pandemic may influence those efforts long-term. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Claire, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing out there? Um, I'm, I'm good. We're, we're hanging in. Um, it's been a particularly chaotic week, but I appreciate you having me on and, and obviously the partnership with physicians, um, just incredibly invaluable. Well, I'm, uh, I can't imagine what you and uh, the rest of your team are going through this week, uh, given what we're seeing with the Delta variant. Um, we'll get more into that in a little bit. I thought we could start just by making sure that folks out there understood. When we talk about immunization managers, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so immunization managers, the ones that are members of AIM, are at the state level in the state public health agency, um, some large cities, um, but they're managing the immunization program, and they're responsible for the Vaccines for Children program. Um, They're responsible for sort of implementing strategies like school requirements, looking into outbreaks, um, really immunization across the board, and of course, with the COVID campaign, planning and implementing that. How many immunization managers are out there? Uh, Well, there are 64 in our membership, the 50 states, eight territories, included in that are six Pacific Islands, and then six large cities. These um, 64 get directly funded from Congress through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to to manage um, the immunization and vaccine programs in the country. So uh, one of the things about public health is when it's working, it's often kind of invisible because, you know, you're not seeing outbreaks of things like polio, for instance. And part of the job of the immunization managers is to manage these kind of programs, you know, for instance, to make sure that every child is getting polio vaccines, for instance. Like, how how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't believe the amount that's going on behind the scenes, right? Um, Just enrolling private providers, um, making sure that data transfers, making sure that every dose is accounted for, managing the inventory that gets sent out to providers, doing the actual orders. Every order goes through the state immunization program right now for COVID. Um, there's so much going on and normally it is invisible, right? You you don't see them, but um, wow, has politics played a part in this? I mean, governors, um, you know, the president, everyone getting involved in the success of this campaign has really pushed the public health workforce into the eye of the public. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what's going on right now. Um, obviously, you know, with uh, at least 190 million people getting one dose of the COVID vaccine, a lot of people have... Uh, a lot of success there, but there's still a lot of people, as we know, that haven't gotten a vaccine yet. How are our states and jurisdictions approaching this challenge, and particularly now that we're seeing, you know, a surge in cases, among, especially among the, you know, unvaccinated, uh, due to the Delta variant? Yeah, and I, I told you this earlier. I mean, I think honestly, this has been the toughest week, um, just because we've worked so hard, tirelessly for 
you know, more than a year in this pandemic. And we really thought we'd be at herd immunity by now. You know, we really thought we would push this vaccine out. People would get vaccinated. We'd reduce the virus circulation. Um, and we're, we're, you know, we're hitting that point where we're realizing the virus is back on the upswing. We've got a variant that, that is protected by the vaccine, but it's much more easily transmitted. And we have this unvaccinated population that's at risk. And, you know, plus we have children that, that can't get the vaccine yet who are at risk. Um, so it's a particularly tough time, um, really trying everything we can to, 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 to get vaccine into more arms to, to reduce the threat of this variant spreading into the unvaccinated population. Yeah, I saw uh, comments from someone at the CDC today that said that the Delta variant was as transmissible as chickenpox, uh, which, as we know, very transmissible. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's incredible. So so you and I might know how 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 um, how contagious chickenpox is, and I'm sure, obviously, the physician community, but most people don't know because they're vaccinated. So it's just one of those ironies that, um, you know, the vaccine works and um, the the virus, if we don't get it, if we don't stop it circulating, it's, it's going to, you know, get more transmissible. It's just natural. Well, we've had a lot of discussion over the past week about mandates, different uh, folks weighing in from the president. Uh, to uh, health associations, including the American Medical Association, about healthcare workers. Um, I want to talk specifically about schools. Uh, they're right around the corner at the start of school uh, for the fall. What's the current status of vaccine mandates for schools, and you know what can we expect for back to school this fall? Yeah, there there are a whole host of universities requiring um, the vaccine. So so many people going back to college will be required to get it. Um, but public schools, high schools, daycares, um, those school requirements are state responsibilities. So they're state laws. Um, and what we're seeing actually is a trend with states um, saying that, that, that you are not going to be able to require COVID vaccine. So we, we've seen states pass laws. I think 12 states have passed a law and there's an additional nine executive orders from governors, um, you know, not allowing that that requirement to go into place. Um, so that that trend is there. I think with with school requirements, um, you really need to have that time period of acceptance of the vaccine, trust in the vaccine in place, um, and get to the point where you're you're you want to get the, just that last hump of the population, those those kids vaccinated. Um, and right now we're not there because you, you can't even vaccinate lower than 12 right now. Um, we don't have that vaccine available and it's not fully licensed. So um, I think it's really important to, the school requirements are, are an incredible tool and an incredible protection to keep our kids safe while at school. Uh, but we have to make sure we've got things in place and before we require the COVID vaccine. I talked uh, last week with Dr. Charlotte Rao uh, from the CDC about the toll that uh, this pandemic has taken on public healthcare workers. Uh, there had been a lot of research on healthcare workers and not so much on the on public healthcare worker, public health workers. And you know, the, the results of the research uh, showed pretty you know, substantial impact. Um, how do you see the immunization manager workforce faring uh, with you know every all the strain of this pandemic over the last year and a half, 
Yeah, you know, this is this is a real issue. Um, we've seen our membership of the 64 immunization program managers, 32 are new since 2019. And, um, you know, that's that that's a large number of new people starting a job in a time of crisis. And, and now we've been really going full on for more than a year. And the exhaustion, the burnout, um, it's really real. And we've lost some of our institutional knowledge, our experienced um, program managers, and everyone is just singularly focused on COVID right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's taking a toll. We're doing everything we can, um, you know, really providing support and um, mental health resources and really just a community. And I think that's what they benefit from most is having a community where they can talk and share and they know they're not alone going through this, um, you know, this, 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 this public health crisis and emergency. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. And uh, obviously, it's not over yet, and it continues to uh, you know, be an enormous issue out there. As you kind of think about the year and a half that you have under your belt right now, uh, kind of project out in the future, what do, you, what do you see as the potential set of implications for, you know, longer term? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges really was doing, rolling this out and planning this in with uncertainty. So not knowing, you know, exactly how many doses of vaccine you are going to get, not knowing everything about the vaccine. And now we're kind of hitting that time of uncertainty again for the fall. Um, we don't know when exactly um, the vaccine will be authorized for down to children. We, we don't know exactly what the picture is going to look like for a booster recommendation or a potential third recommendation. We don't know about transition to easier um, packaging of the vaccine. I mean, we're still working with large scale vaccine packaging and large number of doses in a vial that, you know, that, that has to be used within a small amount of time. So we have a lot of uncertainty and that, that can be challenging. Um, and, and, you know, so, but, but we ha also have learned a lot and made a lot, built a lot of strong relationships and, you know, have key people in place and stakeholders in place to help. So um, we've learned a lot, but it's still, it's just a tremendous challenge, you know, not exactly knowing how to plan for everything in the fall. We'd also don't know, obviously we can't plan for the virus's behavior. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that, and that, and that contributes as well. We, we just don't know exactly what to expect even after we've been at this for quite a bit of time. Claire, what, you know, what additional resources help uh, support could you and your fellow immunization managers use from physicians, from, from the rest of us out there? How can we support you? 
Um, yeah, well, you know, one of the biggest things that is working with trying to move that bar and getting more people vaccinated is the recommendation of a physician. Um, and so, you know, I think physicians can do everything they can to be um, speaking to their community and talking about the value of the vaccine and, and showing themselves getting vaccinated. Um, we're getting more vaccine to private providers, so we need private providers to enroll. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get better arrangements with, with packaging so that even small um, providers can order the vaccine and, you know, get it, um, especially when once we start vaccinating children, we're going to need all of those providers, family physicians, pediatricians, you know, others. So um, it's all about the trust and, and the recommendation and um, pushing, pushing communication on the vaccine and also being ready to, to administer it. Well, uh, just in closing, uh, you know, when you think about where we were a year ago, uh, when we started to think about the vaccine, what it was going to take to get, you know, hundreds of millions of people vaccinated, it really requires like the like an army <laughs> when you think about it. And uh, I guess we really can't lose track of just how far we come, even though there's a lot to uh, a lot left. And so I just want to give you and the immunization managers an enormous shout out and uh, thank you for all the work. Uh, that you're doing amid what is just an incredible amount of uncertainty out there. Uh, yeah, thank it. you so much. That's actually the best part. You know, the best part of my day is going on that CDC COVID tracker and seeing the millions of people who are protected. And, you know, that's, I, I, I think that it's just a tremendous accomplishment to be where we are. And we can't forget that. I agree. Claire, thanks so much for joining us. That's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment shortly. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This content was originally published as part of the AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.